Hey everybody, this is Kevin Kautzman with the podcast Get This, the show about things people love. And I'm coming to you from the Corona Bunker here in upstate Manhattan, Washington Heights, north of 181st, west of Broadway, just west of Broadway, uh, Broadway, March 22nd, in the foul year of our Lord, 2020. What is that? 3-2-2-2-0-2-0. And I'm joined by my very good friend, Brad Kelly. Brad, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm also, you know, hunkered down, but I'm doing well. Spirits are high. Where are you hunkering? Uh, just outside of Detroit, Michigan. We got uh, 700 and some odd cases of the of the virus in the state of Michigan, and uh, just keeping an eye on that ticker. Ah, uh, who's counting? <laughs> who's counting anyway? Everyone. Ah, uh, all right. the time. Right. Impulsively. Yeah. Well, but yeah, uh, Brad. Again, this is the show about things people love. So what are we going to talk about here today? What's something that you love? Oh, uh, I the thing I, I wanted to talk about was Philip K. Dick. And maybe difficult to articulate all the reasons why, but uh, it seems like anytime something weird happens, Philip K. Dick is worth talking about. That's kind of my take on it. All right. So we're going to talk about PKD, who yeah. probably is most famous for having written the short story that Blade Runner is yeah. based on. Yeah. yeah. Do androids dream of electric sheep? That's right. But also, I think up to 60 other novels. Gracious. Um, Yeah. I I knew he was prolific, but I didn't know he was that prolific. prolific. Yeah. I think early on, I heard an interview early on, he was writing for the the pulp uh, magazines and things, and he he would get paid like a penny a word. And so you just... You know, he just right. cranked it out. Right. So I think, you know, after he was able to move out of that phase, the quality got uh, a lot better. You know, mm. he maybe slowed down a little bit. I don't know that anybody can write that fast and write halfway decently. But mm. he um, seemed to have a mind, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, unbelievably creative guy in this sort of uh, he sort of took over. He, he's maybe the most influential writer in the science fiction realm the the non-space opera science fiction realm. He didn't write space operas. You know, that's kind of one thing is his his characters weren't like the commander of a space station or the head researcher of some program. They were like a mechanic or, uh, you know, a much more sort of down to earth kind of person who gets caught up in weirdness for one reason or another. So I think there's I think there's an appeal to that. But, you know, after he died, Blade Runner was the first thing that his that was turned into a film. He multiple of his uh, stories and novels have been turned into films. Um, Minority Report, uh, and and they vary in quality significantly. Like Minority Report's a pretty good one. Paycheck starring Ben Affleck is a terrible one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Paycheck? Paycheck, yeah, it was was bad. It was a dog. (laughs) Um, But Total Recall, obviously both Total Recalls. Um, uh, What else? Um, Oh, there's a whole bunch of them. They just made a, a... uh, Amazon Prime made a series, like an anthology series, sort of like Black Mirror, in which every episode was a PKD novel or story. And it's, it's quite good, actually. Really varied. You know, every one is completely different than the, than the other ones, and it has kind of an all-star cast. Um, but, you know, as we know, Blade Runner is probably not only maybe the best of those films, but maybe, you know, in the running for best science fiction film that we've ever seen, I think. Um I remember back in the Righteous Yammer days, I believe we did a live viewing of Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. In the, yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the, the archives. Yeah. Our old yeah. podcast. Brad and I used to do a podcast together, which is since retired. Yes. Yes. But that was, I remember that being pretty fun. Still, we had a phrase from that that I think of every once in a while. There was some saxophone going on just as Harrison Ford was about to make love to the lovely android. And somebody said something about consensual sax being a great <laughs> a great a great name for like a 70s jazz saxophone album oh so. <laughs> that reminds me of my buddy haney who plays who plays a sax uh, shout out to andrew haney <laughs> yeah man the saxophones make it a comeback yeah yeah it's 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 never gonna go away no uh-huh. Um, so yeah, anyway, I mean, this is a guy, uh, Philip K. Dick is a guy that I've sort of been fascinated with since I kind of first stumbled across him, you know, mm. um, do androids dream of electric sheep was pretty, is pretty, it's actually, I mean, it's turned into Blade Runner, which is an amazing film, but, uh, it really holds up as a, as a novel in and of itself. Um, 
you know, really well written, well characterized, smart and eerie and weird. Um, gave us some inklings of kind of it's like pre cyberpunk a little bit, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a mantle that William Gibson kind of picked up a decade after and then really made something out of. Um, I think there's a lot of that in Philip K. Dick where it's like he kind of had these like prototype ideas that then later somebody else kind of picked up and turned into its own sort of sub sub genre. Um, and Philip K. Dick kind of got there first on a lot of it. Is it I mean, is it very similar to Blade Runner? And it's a novel. Yeah. Is it a novel, not a short story? It's a novel. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. It would kind of no, have to be, wouldn't it? Sure. Yeah, it's it's. Um, it's not, there's, you know, uh, Ridley Scott and whoever else it is that worked on that film made some amazing production design decisions that kind of maybe veer off from what the novel was able to do. Um, but it's very similar. The psychological testing that they do is in it. Mm. Um, and yes, the overall feel, the overall question of whether the main character is an Android or not, that's kind of like bubbling beneath the surface that's going on throughout the whole book. Um, you know, it, I think Philip K. Dick, one thing he he took in this sort of android realm, you know, if you think of androids in the same as a as a trope like zombies or vampires or werewolves, and now you got an android, instead of just, oh, this is kind of kind of weird if we were able to make people, his whole next thing was like, well, if we were making realistic people and designing their memories and inputting this into their brain, how would you know that you are not one? Right. Because right. you don't have anything to rely on. Everything's been falsely implanted in your brain. And as soon as you can accept that that thought experiment, it kind of puts a weird lens on things. So, it, it's the same as I think it's the sixth meditation from Descartes, which is where he arrived at the Kogato argument mm. where you he imagined that there was a demon trying to trick him. And he had to come up with one oh. thing that he could possibly know. And it was, right. well, I am thinking, so therefore I must exist, which right. is at least something. And it's the root of Western epistemology. Right, 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 right. It's a bunch yeah. of GRE words there. Sure. No, I <laughs> Yeah, it's a very similar thought experiment, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then it carried out into this sort of like, sort of action thriller kind of, you know, kind of novel that's just compelling from a storytelling aspect mm. but yeah he was definitely going there with a lot of this stuff and and you know he's i i don't know that we're going to get another guy like him because he also philip k dick um he was also basically what most people would consider insane especially in the last <laughs> in the last like 10 years of his life starting mm-hmm. uh, all of his life most likely but starting as particularly in the early 70s he started to uh he started to do, uh, from the outside started to unravel a little bit uh all the while continuing to write you know a novel of a couple novels a year basically um there's a uh, I sent you that link to the uh uh, a talk he gave, but another thing that's really interesting is this R. Crumb, the great cartoonist, the great underground cartoonist, this uh, you know came to fame in the 60s, 70s, wrote a like what we would think of now as like a web comic that is called the the religious experience of Philip K. Dick, and it's a f- quite a long little comic about uh, an experience that Philip K. Dick had starting in I think 1972 or 1974, um, where. Yes, and you shared it with yeah. me, and I will put yeah. it as well as the other piece of media that you shared in the show notes. But first, yeah. let's talk about R. Crumb and this great comic that he wrote about yeah. PKD having this experience where he felt that he was inhabiting two periods of time mm-hmm. at once. He was living in the 70s in San Francisco, was it? or uh, Somewhere in California. Somewhere yeah. in California, maybe L.A. or San Francisco. Yeah. I think maybe L.A. Uh, yeah. We'd have to look it up. But somewhere in California, and he, he felt that he had been, I guess, possessed by the spirit of these early Christian saints and right. was at once inhabiting that time, but also inhabiting, you know, mid-70s yeah. and through yeah. the 80s yeah, in the these- United States. That these two things had sort of been overlapped on top of each other, and he was sort of it, it was almost sort of, it, it was almost like in some extra dimensional space. He and um, I think he called it Elijah, the person that he was 
sort of quote unquote possessed by it. it was almost like they had been overlaid on top of each other yeah living wow. in different time frames and so this figure this person that was in him would know things that he didn't know but also he would find himself like kind of his body taken over by this elijah thing and elijah didn't know how to drive a car right instance. he couldn't drive a car because yeah. <laughs> elijah didn't know how so he had to stop driving for a period of, right. of time i mean this right. is what would you if you were to make this clinical what would you say it's a schizophrenia i mean i guess it, I it doesn't know. it doesn't sound like schizophrenia in any way that i but i mean i'm multiple no expert personality in that. maybe multiple I, personality knows? but my understanding of multiple personality is that, that you have uh discrete differences so at one moment you're this one and the next moment you're the other one and they the two never talk to each other really this seemed like he had another person riding around in his head. That, you know, <laughs> That's that, how he describes it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what a thing for R. Chrome to do as well. This is what yeah. I'm going to make a comic about. Yeah, yeah. And how yeah, timely no. as we're living through the reign of Corona. Corona-chan right. is here and yeah. here to stay. <laughs> and it feels apocalyptic. It does. It does. How can you deny it? And it also feels like we're living in a simulation. All of these ideas oh, yeah. are coming to a head right. all at once. Right. right. And, and, and we – yeah, go ahead. No, I mean is it is it that the neoliberal global order exists to suppress these ideas so we don't notice these obvious facts in front of us because we're so distracted and there's so much abundance, seeming abundance, uh, and then – there's a chink in the armor and suddenly this light blares forth and everyone who maybe is otherwise relatively a normie goes, oh my gosh. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a something crazy and yeah. yeah, something crazy and undeniable kind of kind of pushes its way through. We're I all mean, conspiracy theorists now. Yeah. Everyone. Was, I've been waiting for that for years. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, 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 the left, who they mm. often consider themselves kind of above it right they, they're yeah sort of the bourgeois the polite urbane left has been right. dwelling in conspiracy for the past two or three years with all of this russian business and right. they're, they're living right. in this spy novel they take their eye off the ball and now a global pandemic has shut down the economy yeah where are yeah, the adults yeah. right right no it's that's a really to a totally fair question it, and you know it's interesting to me too is like because we're all processing all of this stuff these global events through um, sort of a fragmented, uh, a fragmented universe of multiple media narratives, right? Between uh, actually, you know, if someone were to follow like mainstream information or whatever, to following press conferences, to following the weird little networks of people that you have over time gathered on Twitter as like mm -hmm. your information stream of Facebook or whatever. Ironically, and, like, you, and now it's very real. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so, I mean, I was following a couple people on Twitter who you know, two months ago, we're like, you better be stocking up on food right now. Whoa. Like this is, if you haven't already, you might be too late. Mm. And, you know, I don't know that those people were a hundred percent right, but they weren't also a hundred percent wrong, you know? And so you've got like these multiple narratives, which in a way is like multiple worlds existing at the same time. Right. Mm. We got just the flu world and mm. this is a pandemic of historical proportions world. Our, we're living in both of them simultaneously. And you can tarry back and forth between the two of them, right? Mm. Like you can one day be like, ah, this is not that big of a deal. And then the mm. next day, you're like, this is the craziest thing that has ever happened in my life. Well, and I'll tell you, there are different <laughs> realities happening up the hill where yeah. I live. So I live in upstate Manhattan, Washington Heights, 181st, north of uh, 181st and west of Broadway. Which Give is us those GPS coordinates. Yeah, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not well stocked. I don't have any gold. I do, however, have a very large machete. Ah, yes. Okay. So right. just don't mess you've been you. warned. I have a zombie killer machete that I bought because they're outlawed in the UK. And I thought it was oh. fun to have. I thought it was funny to have. That's uh, kind of cool. I hope band. I don't have to use it. Uh, yeah. we're, we're here and up the hill, which is fully gentrified. Everyone owns. Very bougie. Got friends up there. Uh, <laughs> a lot of artists, a lot of Juilliard kids, uh, theater artists, people who've been on Broadway, musicians. Great area. Not, mm -hmm. not talking smack about it, but there are lines all around the block for the couple of grocery stores up there. Yeah. You come down the hill here, uh, which is more 
for lack of a better word, ethnic. There's just more. Um, they're Hasids, Dominicans, Russians, guys from North Dakota who do a podcast <laughs> down the hill here. And it's kind of. I mean, it's 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 going on, but I haven't seen a single line. It's not. It's really? not the same. It's very strange. The responses are are different. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, there's a similar. There's kind of a similar thing going on here too. I'm in a a, a you know reasonably well-to-do suburb. Um, all the grocery stores, especially early on, all the grocery stores were hammered pretty hard. And then it went to some of uh, some grocery stores that are kind of in the hood a few miles down. Because yeah. as you get crossover into Detroit, it gets to be it's a totally different world several miles away. And yeah, those grocery stores at first, it was like, yeah, they had everything. It didn't yeah. matter. Nobody cared. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then again, it's like we're inhabiting different media realities. Right. Right. And, and so, so the stating tone and with, the freak out is different. Yeah, it's just stating it without any judgment at all. It's just an observation, just like, huh, these people do this and these people do that. And mm-hmm. we're living miles apart from each other. Mm-hmm. What is the and how come those people don't know that they can just go down there and get right? <laughs> yeah, right. Cause, I'm like, cause fine, those... stay away from the Dominican grocery stores because I'll be I'm fine there. Right. Like they know right. me there. You know, I live down here. Yeah. I, I, I go everywhere up here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But a lot of those people up the hill, they'll never cross to the other side of Broadway. They just won't. It's just it's no, it, not it, in there. It kind of doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist for them in a lot of ways. Which Weird. Is, which is pretty interesting for hmm. sure. This yeah. is a fascinating conversation. Thanks for coming on the show. Brad, where can people find you? I have a Twitter. It's Brad I'm Kelly because so I got I got started on er, – I was an early adopter of Twitter and I occasionally take long Twitter sabbaticals. Uh, as right as now, you should. Kinda, yeah, right now I'm kind of having fun with it. So I'm on there, Twitter, Brad Kelly. Uh, yeah, I've got a link there to Medium, which has got some of my written works on it. And of course, uh, because Brad Kelly is a writer. The Most fiction of writer. our listeners will know. Yeah, indeed, he's a writer of fiction. We both attended the Michener Center for Writers at UT Austin. Hook them yeah. horns all day. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Brad writes novels and short stories. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have actually, this is a, there's only 25 of these in existence. Oh, wow. It's a book I just finished late last year. Okay. I just did these for friends. Love it. I yeah. want one. I'm going to try, because I'm, I'm actually trying to publish it through normal routes. So there's no ISBN. There's no way to buy it, but they do exist. I would uh, like one if you yeah. have one. Please. I was going to give you one. I was going to give you one when you were supposed to come uh, out here next week. Right. Brad's but... getting married in a week <laughs> and we're going to do, you're doing the wedding now via, via Zoom. We're doing oh. a wedding via Zoom. That's correct. So, uh. yeah, yeah, interesting. We're going to have an actual, we're going to have a big thing later in the year um, once everything kind of settles yeah. out. But you, you send a date been, around and, yeah. Yeah, that, that's been interesting too. You know, it's been interesting, and I don't know how much this relates to our friend PKD, but it's been interesting to see how suddenly a lot of choices just get made for you in mm. this in this sort of coronavirus thing. Right. Where it's just like, well, we're not doing that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, let's we'll come back around to Philip K. Yeah. Dick, but I want to talk about this. You had a huge event planned. You only sure, want to yeah. get married one time. It's right. uh, the day of a lifetime. How has That's it been right. adapting to Corona in light of that? Well, it was I, we were very stressed out um, up until so we made the decision like, here's another thing. Time is totally warped right now. Two weeks ago seems like three months ago. So I think we made the decision two weeks ago that we weren't going to that we weren't going to have the whole party. And mostly at that time, we were concerned about people flying in friends of ours, you you know, yourself, my brother and some other people were going to have to fly into town. We were just worried that they weren't going to be able to make it. Um, And we were really stressing this decision, kind of like, what's what's the right thing to do? I mean, are we being paranoid or is this the right? And, And then as soon as we actually made the decision, I think a significant amount of the stress kind of went away. And, uh, now it's been just trying to figure out how to do some smaller version of it, what to do, make sure that everybody who was going to come knows about it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it is weird, you know, because I imagine in an alternate reality when coronavirus didn't happen, this weekend is our last weekend to get ready for it, you know, and we're freaking, you know, (laughs) we're stressing out and trying to make sure that this is everything is where it needs to be. And, and, uh, you know, that, that the guest list hasn't changed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And right Mm. now we're just kind of, you know, we just got back from taking the dogs for a long leisurely walk, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's, it's strange. It's interesting, but, um, we're good. We're good with it. You know, I think I think it'll all work out. Um, you got to not stress about stuff you can't really control to, you know, I think that's super important. Mm, so, Indeed. But, well, and of course, you know, you re- you'll reschedule it. The world's going to yeah. go on. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For right. sure. Well, this so isn't actually, this mm-hmm. isn't actually the end of the world. It might be the end of a world, but mm. it's not the end of the world. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. so R. Crumb does a comic about Philip K. Dick and releases it. And it's, it's this talky comic about PKD having this wild experience where he, yeah. again, is at one point he imagines he's John the Baptist. And mm-hmm. he, he's having his head cut off <laughs> and he's, and this is what he's experiencing and he's claiming it's excruciating. And of course it would be, was he, was he medicated? Was he on drugs? What, what's the story there? Well, the experience, the whole experience started with, um, he was, uh, he had had a impacted wisdom tooth or something like that. He had had some kind of dental surgery and then, um, ah, he had right. been given sodium pentothal which is, uh, I think the military tried to use that as a truth serum at one point. I don't know how much success they had with it, but uh, it has some minimal psychotropic effect. And uh, he was in a lot of physical pain, and that's kind of when it started. He walked out to the front door. He was getting some pain medication delivered by a woman. She was wearing a fish, a Jesus fish necklace, and Mm. it kind of kicked off this whole sort of visionary experience that really lasted for like a year. Um, and mo- a varying intensity of this interaction with this person, this possession or whatever you want to call it, this person called Elijah. But some weird things came out of it. I mean, one thing, he uh, he was told or got information through this um, that his son had a potentially fatal birth defect that had no outward symptoms. Mm. And so he was just sitting there listening to a Beatles album one day and uh, got this message that their son had some kind of crazy birth defect, freaked out, got his wife, got the kid, took the kid to the hospital. The baby, the kid was a baby, I think, you know, mm. maybe a toddler. Um, took him to the hospital, and they said, "Yes, he's got this issue. It could it have was caused a hernia him. all the way down to his yeah. groin." Yeah, yeah, and they performed surgery on it, like kind of right away. Wow! And the kid was okay, but. Mm. Again, there was no outward signs of this. It wasn't like he spent, apparently, according to him, it wasn't like they spent days being like, oh, something's off. You know, I wonder what it is. And then go to the doctor. It was like, nope, right now we have to take this kid to the hospital. Hmm. There's something seriously wrong. Unreal. So, and apparently in, in Philip K. Dick claims that there are other, there are other, there were other instances of this sort of thing, but this, this was the biggest one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing about it is like, you always you can hear about these kind of stories and things are sort of supernatural or whatever and they're easy to dismiss because it's like you can always come up with some he could be lying he could be whatever he could be making things up and maybe he is but you kind of get these instances i did hear an interview with a woman he was married to who um I wish I could remember where I listened to this, where she basically supported what he what he said about the the birth defect that he that this had actually happened. Um, and that's the kind of thing you need that like in order to sh- indicate that something quasi supernatural is real, you need something that like uh, is inextricable from the real world. You know, it like actually happened. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this seems to be like in his li- in his life is that is that thing. Um, he had some other, he sort of had some other things that went on too, because he, in this process, in that lecture that I sent, this lecture that he gave in Metz, France in 1977, he talks about some other things that happened kind of along this, along this line about, um, he's the writer of the man in the high castle, which is an Amazon series right now. They put so many of his, uh, so much of his work is gone yeah. into these series. Oh my god! What a yeah. shame it's, that it didn't happen in his own lifetime. I know, right? It is kind of a shame. It's 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 because he, he didn't, you know, he wasn't a wildly successful person in his lifetime, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he he claims that the man in the high castle, this whole idea of you know an alternate timeline where, excuse me, where the Axis won World War Two, that uh, he had a vision of that. Oof. <laughs> and so the writing the book, the man of high castle, he basically just took what he saw and kind of inverted all of it. So like the story's taking place in a world where the axis had won mm-hmm. and they're getting intimations of a world where the allies had won. And our <laughs> reality is just the opposite. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and in the book, man in the high castle, he, uh, uh, how does this work? 
there's a there's a there's a person who essentially becomes convinced that all of these writers stories are true and that basically all later happened to Philip K. Dick in his own life that somebody came to his door a woman that he had predicted would happen with dark hair came to his door said she'd read all of his books and said that they were all actually true just on in other places in time sort of wow could you imagine i mean even imagine this is all delusional right it's all philip k dick's delusions what an insane way to live your life where these sorts (laughs) of things are happening right like even if they're all totally made up like that is yeah i mean incredible not a normal life not a, no, not in any, not by any stretch. Yeah. What was his background? Where was he from? Do we know? Uh, you know, I think he was from California. Um, Let me have a look. Wasn't particularly educated. I think he, I'm pretty sure he went to Berkeley. Um, oh, that might explain there was, it. There was some weird stuff going on at Berkeley at that time because mm. you got, uh, I should look this up because I think Terrence McKinnon and Philip K. Dick were going to Berkeley at around the same time. Yeah, he was born in 28. He died in 82. Yeah. 44 published novels, 121 short stories. Yeah. He was born in Chicago. He moved to the Bay Area with his family at a young age. He started publishing in 51 when he was 22 years old. Right. The Man in the High Uh, Castle. He won the Hugo Award. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Ubik. Flow my tears, the policeman said. <laughs> oh, see, that's, flow my. T- mm, yeah. That's the flow one he references t- in the. Um, yeah, the in crumb. that talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically says, "Flow tear, flow my tears," the policeman said, is basically true, but it's true in another and another. He basically says that there are multiple timelines occurring simultaneously, and that flow my tears, the policeman said, is a vision of what happens in another, what is happening in another timeline for him. Isn't it wonderful that so much like comic books the science fiction genre speculative fiction has completely taken over the mainstream and this was all (laughs) counterculture you look at these old pictures uh these old covers for these magazines and it's just trash it's pulp yeah and i'm sure people would have looked down at you for this and now it's just absolutely yeah dominant yeah, well, especially think about when he started when he started writing in the fifties. You know, there was no there was no respect for any of that stuff at all. Mm. I mean, there hadn't even really been that much of it written, so it was probably a little bit like being into, I don't know, some weird genre of music or something that nobody listens to. You know, right? I'm really into John Cage. Listen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a copyright infringement right there. <laughs> <We> just... <laughs> I mean, the estate of John Cage. <laughs> Mr. Couchman, Mr. Kelly, I want you to come with us. And then it's just silence. <laughs> just, we just stare at each other. Worst radio ever. Uh, this is the Get This Podcast. I'm Kevin Kautzman. This is the show about things people love. I'm here with my very good friend, Brad Kelly. We're talking about Philip K. Dick and his apocalyptic vision where he lived in two realities at one time. He lived in this ancient Christian reality and our own. And R. Crumb, the great comic book artist, about whom there is a fantastic documentary, which oh, if yeah. you've not seen, you must, called Crumb. Uh, he he did a, a, a series, like a comic, a short comic about Philip K. Dick's visions. I'll put, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, yeah. which you can find at getthispodcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the... The nonsense, hither and yon. Oh, and I also want to mention, too, we're starting a new thing where if you like the show, uh, you want to support the show, we're now accepting donations through the website, getthispodcast.com. And if you become a subscriber at any level, I think I set it to start at 2 bucks 50 which is nothing. What's two fifty? That's half a coffee a month, right? You donate, yeah. you support independent media, an independent podcast. I don't ever want to run ads. I don't want to sell you... Uh, ED medication. I don't want to sell you pillows or uh, bidets or or anything like that. Kettlebells. uh, Everyone else can do that. 
Uh, but if you if you like what you're hearing, you like interviews with people who you might not otherwise hear from, people who aren't shilling anything, they're not they're not typically selling anything, uh, you know. And if they are, it's earnest and it's a, it really is about something people love. Support the show. If you subscribe or donate one time for more than thirty dollars at this juncture, the great Peniel Colada on Twitter, Peniel like the Peniel gland Colada who does all of the show art for us. She does these psychedelic portraits. If you donate $30 or more or subscribe, you'll get your own psychedelic portrait done by Peniel. What's not to like there? It looks great on social media. It'll show people that you're you're a hep cat. You're hep to the to what's up. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my little spiel here in the middle of the show. That's exactly the halfway point for this episode. And we're gonna we're gonna keep chatting here with Brad Kelly on getthispodcast.com. Brad, I love when you come onto this show, you bring you bring the heavy ideas. <laughs> you bring the hits, my friend. Oh, that's good. That's good to know, man. Yeah. If you really want to go deep into Philip K. Dick, obviously read the man's work. Mm-hmm. In the show notes, there will be the link to the R. Crumb comic. There's also another piece of media, which is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I started to dig into it. I'm going to finish it uh, here today. Brad, describe this second piece of media. It's a, an interview or a, a panel yeah. that he did yeah, in this France. Was, this was, uh, yeah, this was uh, just, as, um, just as Philip K. Dick was kind of starting to get attention. So I believe it's 1977. This would be five years before um, his death and roughly five years before um, the movie Blade Runner came out and he became kind of more of a known person. Hmm. Uh, Philip K. Dick was invited to a science fiction conference to give give a talk, sort of a quasi keynote speech kind of thing at this conference um, in France. And one of the reasons it's a little difficult to listen to, as Kevin said, is is the first sort of half of it. Every couple sentences he says is is being translated um, into French. So it's a little choppy at first. Um, but he was supposed to be giving a talk basically on writing, on the state of science fiction, on his own books or any, or something like that. And he essentially gave a long speech slash essay called um, something like, if you find this world bad, you should see some of the others or something like that. <laughs> he started talking about octagonal reality. Yeah, yeah, orthogonal reality. Yeah, orthogonal. Yeah, yeah. So his, 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 uh, it's kind of playing with this idea that, time as we perceive it is a bit of an illusion that there are multiple that there are essentially multiple timelines going on simultaneously and it gets it gets pretty he- it gets pretty heady so he he describes there's this idea that there is a some sort of creator being he calls it the programmer which is interesting in light of all the simulation theory stuff that has been coming out in the last mm-hmm. few years mm-hmm. um where reality is essentially a sort of a game or a sort of story that this programmer is trying to tell and is constantly sort of like revising it in some way. Mm. Um, it's constantly like taking previous resources and putting them into the new context and sort of using that to continue building the story. I mean, this isn't Philip K. Dick's putting it in some interesting ways, but it's not necessarily a new idea. I mean, you go back all the way to sort of, uh, Judaic mystery cults and they believe some of them believe that Basically then the cause for reality was that God wanted to tell stories basically, right? So So it's not necessarily a brand new idea, but he kind of puts it in some put, puts it into some interesting frames He talks about in this he gives a bunch of examples about the nature uh, why actual anecdotal things that happen to him for why he thinks that you can sometimes access these different sort of timelines that are happening at the same time, these realities that kind of split off from yours, or that why sometimes they're kind of overlapping and bleeding into each other. Hmm. He talks about going into his bedroom and trying to pull a draw cord on the light and mm-hmm. then realizing that there never was a draw cord on the light, you know. And so why did he do that? And thinking he couldn't even remember the last time he'd had to pull a draw cord for a light. So why did his, in his brain he automatically think that he needed to? And sort of that it was a subtle, it was a subtle glitch between, you know, the reality he was in now and a previous reality that was very, very similar. Um, now maybe that, that might be all a bunch of hooey, right? Well, <laughs> we're in the realm of the weird here. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, it's like he's not the only person to um, report a, a glitch such as this. Like most of the time, these have happened to, I would say, most people 
And most people don't really have anywhere to put them or think about them or bring them up. Hmm. But if you go onto the subreddit glitch underscore in underscore the underscore matrix, you will get an unbelievable number of stories where if you were to believe the writer, they don't make any sense. Hmm. Like people losing, uh, people losing like a CD, like a compact disc. And then four years later, living in a new house and a new apartment, finding it in the basement. Yeah. What? Just like doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Not in a box that they hadn't put away. Right. But like it's on a shelf in my basement now. There's a little sort of stories like that hmm. where, where the continuity of things kind of falls apart. A There's bit. enough plausibility that you can imagine. Yeah, maybe someone else moved it or someone else sure. grabbed it or you have a duplicate or but enough. Then you can scale this up all the way to the big questions like death right. and then right. go, well, why? What? Right. What right. purpose does this serve? Yeah. Why? Yeah. It, it it seems it's such an irrational bugaboo. Right. Right. And and the thing and the thing that's kind of interesting about those small instances is if you could if you have a small instance like that were to happen in your life. Again, it's like the thing we were saying before, maybe Philip K. Dick was making all this up. But if you that was the reality you lived in, what a strange experience. If you had one of these glitches and you believed it, man, the the world is like a totally different place than it is before you have that glitch. Well, and this gets back to that idea of this neoliberal global order existing to prevent us from feeling a life of magic and a life mm. of synchronicity and a life of wonder and to turn everything into these bleeps and bloops on screens. Right. Uh, the market has crashed. Oh, no. And, and, and you're ignoring the fact that spring is coming. Spring right. is here. You're ignoring right. these, these beautiful and then maybe missing these incredible synchronicities that are all around us at all times. Mm -hmm. Forget the power of your own mind, the power that you have to create, the the power that you have to set the tone for your own life. And it all gets stripped away by this feeling of powerlessness, mm -hmm. which, of course, serves the powerful. Yeah, this is this is. Yeah. When you talk about this coronavirus thing, this is like one of culturally one of the things that I'm maybe most worried about it is this idea of like the best thing you can do right now is stay home mm -hmm. and do nothing, mm -hmm. which I agree is probably true in this individual instance. Right. But man, it's like a, it's a, it's not a narrative that, uh, it's a narrative that I hope dies very quickly. It's after, not that far know. from that and them, them closing down restaurants and bars to yeah. putting people on trains. It's right. not that right. far. Right, 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 and, right. And if it's a stress test, and obviously we're not suggesting that there's some vast conspiracy or whatnot. I, I think yeah. that they're, they are doing their best in a very bad situation, but it is, sure, I agree. With there that is too. a certain amount of creepiness to the idea that suddenly daddy, these daddy figures, right. these daddy and mommy figures can say, you know what? All the restaurants are closed. What? Right. You can right. do this. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and as a person who is skeptical of what I'm told by mm -hmm. really any outlet, and who is constantly on the lookout for ways in which like my freedoms are being kind of hedged in mm -hmm. or my thinking is being manipulated without my my feedback. These kinds of things are trouble are a little bit troubling, you know, I think so. And I think people need to use this time to pay attention to what's being put mm -hmm. on us, what's going to be passed and how they're going to use this crisis to extend their already extraordinary powers yeah. in terms yeah. of surveillance and yeah. extra yeah. judicial nonsense. Yeah, uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what laws get passed right now that in 2023 or whatever are still on the books. Right. Like the yeah. Patriot Act, so-called. Right, right, and, right, right. Yeah. Right. Because, of course, those things are passed during crisis, but then they never go away. Sure. Sure. Well, the one thing is apparently, and I don't know the status of this, but apparently Congress was working on a bill to um, end end-to-end -end encryption <laughs> did you hear about yeah, this yeah i heard about that i wonder yeah. how credible that is i don't know yeah put a big asterisk next to that that might be all hooey but mm. uh, yeah basically the idea was like they were you know they were it was going to be outlawed to send encrypted basically outlawed to send encrypted messages i don't know how that could even work because isn't banking and everything reliant on that kind of that kind of technology right but, it would be it would create extraordinary risk. But of course, they would probably write it in so that Bloomberg terminals and all these right. other things would be exempt. It's right, only right, your right, right. it's only yeah. your podcast 
where yeah. you, you question the order of things that right. could no that's, longer be <laughs> encrypted. Yeah, that's a good, that's a Your good WhatsApp, point. right? They're just yeah. going to open it wide open and then have yeah. all the blackmail they could ever need to shut any dissent right. down forever. Right, 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 right. So getting back oh, to boy. PKD, yeah. contemporary philosophy from the wiki, postmodernists such as Jean Baudelaire, is that how you say it? Baudelaire? Uh, Baudrillard. Baudrillard. Thank yeah. you. I, oh, yeah. My, Simulation yeah. and simulacrum. Right. Yeah. Baudrillard, Frederick Jameson, Lawrence Rickles, and Slavoj Zizek have commented on Dick's writings foreshadowing of postmodernity. Mm-hmm. Jean Baudrillard offers this interpretation. It is hyper-real. It is a universe of simulation, which is something altogether different. And it is not so... Uh, excuse me. And this is so not because Dick speaks specifically of simulacra. Science fiction has always done so, but it has always played upon the double on artificial replication or imaginary duplication, whereas here the double has disappeared. There is no more double. One is always already in the other world, an other Mm. world which is not another, without mirrors or projection or utopias as means for reflection. The simulation is impassable, unsurpassable, (laughs) checkmated, without exteriority. We can no longer move through the mirror to the other side, as we Ooh. could during the golden age of transcendence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a little dark, right? <laughs> well, when you extrapolate it to contemporary politics and the so-called end of history, and the idea mm-hmm. that globalism and the hegemony of capital are permanent and fixed, and mm-hmm. we will get in bed with an ugly regime like the Chinese communist government in order to what suppress wages in yeah. the West and I get, apparently make profit. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I guess. But I also, also in theory to enrich the Chinese so that potentially democracy sprouts there. I understand these things are, are complex, uh, mm-hmm. but that's quite a quote. I like the, uh, the show title through the mirror for this episode. I think oh, that's quite good mirror. given that we were attempting to stream here. Uh, <laughs> we had some technical difficulties. Yeah, I, I expected but, that. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll unpack it after this episode. Yeah. But I, it's such a joy to have you on, Brad, and we'll have to do another one of these here very soon. Oh, sure. So yeah, absolutely. What, was there a particular reason that you brought up Philip K. Dick for this oh, episode? You know, he's just been sort of he's just been sort of on my mind lately, um, kind of in part based on that incredibly well-worded quote you just gave. Um, but there is a – in my own writing, I'm thinking about this a lot, too, because as time goes on, I'm – I'm getting sort of more speculative with each project. It gets more speculative than the I've last. I've noticed that. Yeah, and so you're trying to find out, like, well, okay, well, what is the purpose of this? Because I'm not, I, I'm not interested in just coming up with crazy stuff just for the sake of coming up with crazy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, though that is kind of fun sometimes too. But, <laughs> but what Philip K. Dick was doing, as opposed to like a lot of science, other science fiction writers, where it's just like, oh, this is a wild idea, let's play with it. Philip K. Dick had a sort of a, I mean, what you're all, what you were just saying about, you know, trying to recontextualize him for a current political situation. He wasn't, he was tuned into that. I mean, part of his whole vision of this whole vision he had of ancient Rome, it wasn't just a crazy thing that happened. He, he had this saying, the empire never died. Right. And basically his whole thing was he went back and saw what he saw was in part the seeds of this empirical attitude, imperial attitude, then that it had continued on. So that the idea of Rome, had, Rome had fallen apart as we know it, but there was still a, a continuous lineage, lineage of control and its intentions were, were frequently the same as they had been back then, right? And it was a sort of an anti-freedom kind of a thing. It was an anti-humanity kind of thing in certain ways. Um, well, and, kind of an anti-universalist humanity. This this Christian idea sitting atop right. the the right. the ancient Judaic idea, and mm-hmm. and in theory replacing it, right, uh, right, needed to be crushed, and then eventually it became such a force that the empire adopted it and absorbed it, mm-hmm. and to some way of thinking perverted it. Sure, and yet there there remains this mystic truth to the underpinnings of the of the Christian idea 
Right. And right, if right. you if you imagine you're being possessed by John the Baptist and at the same time wandering <laughs> around California in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could you could begin to see, yeah. you know, yeah. even if you're LARPing, you could begin right. to have this. Yeah. These synchronicities, you, these sort you, of yeah. you could put the pieces together. Right. And you're seeing in which 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 aspects of your life are part of what he called the black iron prison, which is this sort of continuous it's a sort of it's a sort of a Gnostic idea, right? That that we're we're kind of living in a um, in a we're living in a almost like a theater um, that uh, is kind of corrupted and perverse, and it's a little bit torturous, and it's somewhat in, inescapable for us. Um, <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> Woo! Party on, man! This is great. This is a show about things people love and the black iron prison. <laughs> Of your mind. Right, right. So <laughs> I don't even know that I necessarily agree with all wow. these things that you said, right? But um, I appreciate, like, I appreciate, like, the, the sort of different takes on it. And and I got, um, I, I kind of re-stumble on Philip K. Dick all the time. Um, and I had read, um, this is a couple of months ago now, I read um, The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch, which is one of his last books. And... Uh, it's not even a science fiction novel. I mean, they, you would call it that because you don't even really, nobody really knows what else to do with it. Um, this is one of the interesting things that Dick was doing that a lot of science fiction writers don't do. A lot of science fiction writers, their, their stuff, their work occupies a sort of a reductionist, logical positivist worldview, right? Because they well, tend to be sciencey kind it's of It's science. It's science fiction. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's no, they they don't really have any time for any kind of mystical, mystical tropes to be playing out. Woo -woo. Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch is like, is about, it's not even actually worth talking about what the plot is, because it's it's not really interesting. <laughs> it's not really interesting in a, in a one paragraph, here's what it's about kind mm. of thing. But I started having weird synchronicities while reading it. Um, so for instance, I don't read a lot of poetry at all really very 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 little um but i just before i'd read this three stigmata of palmer eldridge i read um a great book by camille pagula called um break blow burn something like that and basically what it is is she takes 50 poems 50 american poems and she just puts the poem and then she spends two to ten pages just kind of analyzing it and saying why she thinks it's great it's well done right there was a poem in there that I had never encountered before. I finished reading and it was it was good. It was from like the 1800s and it was it had a religious connotation. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But literally two, three days later, I'm reading Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch and that poem is in there. Which it's not a pot common poem even. Hmm. It's not. I mean, and there were a number where there were kind of a number of these. There was a musical reference that similarly had a synchronicity. And so it got me thinking that like, man, what is this guy what is this guy doing that he can write a book that causes me to have synchronicities? Fascinating. That reminds me of that great um, disinfo speech from Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah. yeah which is tremendous. Just an absolute yeah. classic. Grant Morrison yeah. disinfo. And he talks <laughs> about Crowley and Austin Osmond Spare and these other writers. And he's saying, it's real. It works. We never right. do it. And I just started to do it. <laughs> Whatever. And, and he's like, yeah. and here's the thing. It works. And you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Blow my mind, man. And then you, yeah. and then you know, you can put it into intention and start to do it and start to mm -hmm. write with the intention of creating synchronicity and do do right. his uh, chaos magic ritual, and you sure. begin to notice crazy things. The biggest synchronicity that I've had recently was uh, I am Twitter buddies with Lynn Shawcroft, uh, Mitch Hedberg's widow. Oh, oh, okay. And I kind of have my own personal mission to make sure people know who Mitch was mm -hmm. because I think he was so funny and he's yeah. from St. Paul. So there's this kind of hometown connection sure. there. And yeah, yeah. just he, his jokes are immortal, just incredible. Yeah. What an incredible writer and gone too yeah. soon. And she, she'll tweet back and forth occasionally. And I was thinking about Mitch a lot. We were in Philadelphia cause he has that, we had that great joke about, uh, it's, it's probably his most famous joke other than maybe the donut joke. It's the one about, uh, Escalators, escalators should never have an out of order sign. An escalator should only ever have a sign that says, uh, "We, we, uh, escalator is temporary stairs, temporary right. stairs." Sorry for the convenience. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in Philly, 
And every, we did a little shopping. We were, we were actually shopping for your wedding. So oh, yeah. I got this suit that I don't know what good it oh, is. You know, for this. I'll put it. it. I'll put it on the next time we try to stream. There you go. And uh, and every single store, every department store had at least one broken escalator. Okay. So I was thinking about this a lot. Then I come back and Saber was watching that '70s show or whatever. And I walk in and she pauses it. I walk in and right there in the card, the bottom of the show, the beginning of the show, rather, the credits run, you know, guest starring Mitch Hedberg. And I'm like, what? He was in this? Oh, yeah. He had a little cameo in this episode. What are the odds of her pausing it right Right when I walk through the door? That's. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's too much. Yeah. No, I agree, man. That's that's wild. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I love stuff like that. You're, I love you got to pay attention yeah. to those things because they yeah. can, they do give your life this kind of poignant meaning. And mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. You, you know, you can be like Palia and Camille Palia and extrapolate ten pages of prose from a poem. You could do mm-hmm. more. You could write a PhD, the, you know, an entire oh. an entire dissertation on on a single poem if you wanted. It's yeah. wonderful yeah. the way language works that way. Right, right, right. And you definitely gets you tapping into. There's a there's sort of a way in which, in that creative process, you are, you are tapping into, you're tapping into some, you're tapping into something. I think Philip K. Dick was definitely tapping into, some, <laughs> he was he was definitely tapping into some kind of wavelength. And if there was any, ever anybody who was able to uh, sort of punch a hole in the space time continuum by writing a story, it was Philip K. Dick. So I'm inclined uh, to agree. Yeah. Fascinating. Brad, thank you so yeah. much. What do you think is going to happen as we wind down here on the Get This Podcast, getthispodcast.com? What do you think is going to happen with Corona over the coming month? It's Again, it's March 22nd, 2020. What, what's it going to look like a month from now? What do you think? Man, I, I don't know. It's This is unprecedented. I think a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Mm, um, they already have. You know, a, lot of, a lot of people already have. Even more people are going to you know lose their jobs. There's going to be a steep economic impact. I mean, I, I realize, you know, people, there's ideas that the government is just going to send people checks. And I, I have no opinion on whether that's the right thing to do or not, really. It seems on the face of it like a good idea, but there's, you know, everything has its consequences. So, um, I, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to get, I promise it will get weird. Yes, it's already <laughs> weird. Increasingly weird. I have friends yeah, on Facebook who are talking idea. about looting, and I'm I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, and I understand that they're angry and they probably had a few drinks yeah. or whatever. And I'm kind of sort sure. of like, hey, maybe don't put that on Facebook. Don't, yeah, right. <laughs> just let's take that to our encrypted WhatsApp chat. Yeah, and we'll just yeah. hey, we'll go over here. Yeah. The the thing yeah. that's driving New Yorkers crazy right now is that they are giving mortgage relief. But there's no talk about rent rent relief. Oh yeah, yeah. You want to stoke the? You want to just blow on the coals of the culture war? In there the you class go, war. right yeah. there. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you class say culture. War. You yeah. say culture war, but this ha- this is the moment because we have been many of us have been waiting for the thing that kind of knocks the the silly out of the culture. Yeah, yeah. And this, this has is- certainly done that. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. I think I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot less patience for um, the sillier end of identity politics online online and and yeah. which is which is a pleasure to see in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Well, I think I, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of nonsense kind of wash out. I mean, there's a lot more like I've noticed that uh, David Graeber has kind of come back a yeah, little bit in yeah. terms of people paying attention, including Big by fan. you, but you're just not just you, but I've seen other people kind mm-hmm. of referencing him now, kind of like, hey, most of us have BS jobs anyway. Right, uh, right. Well, this was something that I was thinking about earlier in the episode. I didn't say it. It's time yeah. to say it now. The This idea that everyone is sort of, yeah, let's stay home, let's all stay home. Right. This world does need a sabbatical from itself. Yeah, this yeah. the circus, the carnival, mm-hmm. the sports, the sports ball, sports ball, right. uh, gambling, uh, yeah. g- gaming, uh, you know, d- Las Vegas casinos. It all, it, you know, sports more, d- more, 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 right. more. It's exhausting. Yeah, and then when is. you add the the Graber factor, the the nonsense mm-hmm. jobs that people have that don't yeah. give meaning to to life, and you you sort of have eradic- eradicated the family, family time. Parents are like, oh, I got to spend time with my kids now. The state's not right. like, all right. of this. It's just like, we do objectively need a break. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of people are quietly going, thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little pause from the circus. The circus is going to come back. The circus will be back in town, folks. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. Absolutely. Don't worry. (laughs) It'll come back with a vengeance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we'll have yeah. our baseball and we'll have our basketball and we'll have our rock concerts and we'll have our Lizzo and we'll have yeah. all of this stuff is, is yeah. going to be there when this is all right. over. Yeah. Right. But just ch- ch- Yeah. Just chill out for a minute. You know, I, I think <laughs> I, I think I think. Not you, I just no, everyone. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the one thing is, it's definitely, you know, everybody should try to take advantage of this mm-hmm. along those lines. It's just like, yeah, you're on a chill time now, right? Like I, I think of, about um, Ram, something Ram Dass said, but, you know, fortunately Ram Dass died in December mm. 2019. He said something that was really interesting about people getting really old when you start being f- kind of forced to slow down, which is kind of what I'm thinking of now is a little bit of a metaphor for what we're being forced to slow down. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, well, that's such a wonderful time to go inside such a wonderful time to meditate and to contemplate, right? Mm-hmm. You're being forced to slow down. You're being forced onto the cushion. You're being forced to close your eyes, right? That's, you might as well, instead of fighting against it, you might as well take advantage of it for what it is, which is, you know, maybe you do get to, maybe you do get to be on sabbatical for a minute. So, yeah. That word yeah. sabbatical is so interesting. It's, I think about these academics who say, ah, oh, I'm taking a year off, you know, and you, right. and then you go over to, mcdonald's and you look at the people who still have jobs there and you go they're not gonna ever get it and these are these are grown adults these are somebody managing that mcdonald's they don't get a sabbatical what are you talking about they're gonna be (laughs) there every day they stop working for three days it's over (laughs) right if they miss two shifts yeah yeah they're done yeah Yeah. did you see that the there's been a lot of class war action on twitter and (laughs) a lot of people a lot of these ceos are sending out messages apparently amazon has a collection plate going around for its workers amazon <laughs> has a collection plate going around for its workers um, hobby lobby the ceo of hobby lobby sent him sent a message saying they're gonna have to tighten their belts he's worth 6.4 billion dollars oh. I, I, I just don't know how this genie is not going back in the box. I, I don't understand how they can do that without uh, unironically like how can you how do you not see? Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. They're turning the heat on here in the building. If you hear that clicking in the background, uh, we're, about to, we're about to get off the episode here. But yeah. the other thing that I've been following heavily is these landlords who've been sending out these insane letters. And there was this one company in Ohio and it sent a letter and the letter said something to the effect of, okay, we're paying attention to coronavirus. It's really important to do this and that. You still owe rent. Okay. And here are four or five companies that are still hiring in Ohio at the end of the message. And it was DoorDash, Amazon, oh and some God. other. In the middle of a global pandemic, they're yeah. telling their tenants to go out and and yeah. schlep food door to door. That rent's got to show up because those people who are landlords, they've they're rents. They're literally rent seekers in like a technical term, which they don't actually provide any value. Unreal. And yeah, then, of course, so... you go and you find this company online. And their yeah. reviews are just terrible. Oh, They're just sure. the worst. Yeah, people that ever. attitude trickles down. Oh, man, what a nightmare! Sure. Yeah, what a nightmare. There, there was another thing I saw. This was dark, and it's maybe it's not true. This is definitely anecdotal. Um, There's a woman on Twitter who was claiming that she was getting kicked out of her apartment in the UK because she works for that, the National Health Service. It was a it was a person named Joe who's a paramedic, and the story okay. is something to the effect of. The landlord or the person who was renting Joe a room said, you know what, I've, I've thought about this and I I want you out of the apartment or out of yeah. the flat because because you're working for the NHS. What? A, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. This should just take the place from the guy who's trying to kick him out and give it to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if Philip K. Dick was here, he would have a lot to say about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad, I hope we could do – let's do another episode uh, episode before quarantine ends, man. It's always a sure. pleasure to do this. Yeah, I'm so happy yeah. for you and Jolie Thanks, dude. And, the, yeah. and the upcoming wedding. I will be there on Zoom. Okay. And good, I will good, good. attempt to live stream it. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> layers upon layers of it. Yeah. Wonderful. And yeah. so, again, people can find you on Twitter at Brad Kelly. Me, K E L L Y. That's it. 
And I am Kevin Couchman. I am on Twitter at Kevin Couchman. It's K-A-U-T-Z-M-A-N, K-A-U-T-Z-M-A-N. And we're at getthispodcast.com. It's a show about things people love, all the usual places. If you like it, leave a nice review. And we are looking for support. We're looking for subscribers. Send us some money if you uh, if you enjoy what you hear. And we'll get you a very cool psychedelic portrait from the great Peniel Collada. Brad, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, pleasure, man. Adios.